Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Psalm 21 is a psalm that was sung after a king returned from a battle victoriously. But I think we have a distorted view of battles today and kings uh, thanks to movies. You know, think of any movie with a battle, Lord of the Rings, uh, Braveheart, uh, Gladiator maybe, uh, etc. And you can picture the, the general or the king leading the charge, riding first into battle, inspiring his men to follow him, and somehow he miraculously escapes unharmed, even though he goes first. Uh, Historically, of course, this was never the case. Uh, The general, the tactician, would would never go first. Of course, though, it makes better cinema to put them at the front of the line. Uh, But but hold on to that that image uh, of the king or the general or the captain going first because uh, and calling his men to follow him uh, because that is the ideal type. And there's maybe one fairly recent example of where this uh, sort of thing did actually happen, or so I've heard. Uh, George Washington, at the Battle of Princeton, rode to the front of the line, uh, not to charge, but to bolster his flagging American line. Uh, but he did this uh, at maximum range, where his chances of getting killed were, or, or shot and killed were, were maybe uh, 1 in 100. Uh, but the effect on both armies was electric. Uh, seeing him, their general, their captain, the Americans rallied, and they fired one shot apiece straight ahead. And because they were firing into a line at maximum range, their shots hit the mark. On the other side, on uh, the British Army, all directed their fire at, at Washington. And because they're all firing at maximum range, at just a single small target, they all miss. And this one exchange, it is said, changed the the momentum of the battle and of the American Revolution itself. I imagine that Psalm 21 was sung after a king returned victoriously from battle. The psalm says, The king shall have joy in your strength, O God, and in your salvation how greatly shall he rejoice. The king rejoices not in his strength, not in his efforts, but in the strength of the Lord, and in the salvation that God accomplishes. You've given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. That is his prayer. You hear his prayer. You open your ears to his prayer, as St. Peter says. For you meet him with the blessings of goodness. You set a crown of pure gold upon his head. Notice a crown of pure gold is what a king receives after coming home victoriously. Now, what's interesting is that the king doesn't receive this exaltation before he wins the battle. This king suffers greatly and then receives the crown. He asked life from you, and you gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. His glory is great in your salvation, honor, and majesty you have placed upon him. 
we're getting to see that this is a different kind of king. This is, this is the best of kings. This king not only goes first, but he ventures even into death and out again alive. He asks life from you, and you gave it to him. All of the enemy's guns fire at him. They hit the mark, but yet he comes out alive. This is not just any king who rejoices in God's salvation. This king is Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says that Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God where he's exalted and crowned as king. But this king, after going first, after drawing all the enemy fire on himself, does ask his men to follow him. Does ask us to follow him. Take up your cross and follow me, Jesus says. As what we see in our gospel lesson, the calling of St. Peter to be a disciple. Jesus calls Peter to keep on struggling, to keep on enduring, even after he's worked all night and caught nothing. Jesus says, put out and try again. Take up your cross. Follow me. So this this brings up a question. Uh, What does it actually mean to be a disciple? If that's, what call, if that's what Jesus is calling Peter to do, uh, what does it actually mean to be a disciple? Well, it's not merely some intellectual or emotional response. It's not merely feeling that I would follow Jesus if I were asked. No, it's actually doing it. It's actually following Jesus like men follow their king or their general into battle. And like a general, God gives us commands, commandments, ten of them, things that we are to walk in. The Ten Commandments were the thing, uh, originally remember in Exodus, the thing that was supposed to set Israel apart from any other nation on earth. Every other nation had laws and rules for self-preservation, for self-fulfillment, self-pleasure, but God gives laws that pertain to our relationship to him and to each other. In the small catechism, Luther says that we are to examine our lives, our stations, even using that that military term, we're to examine our stations, where we're stationed by the Ten Commandments. Ideally, we're to meditate on them daily. Every morning, we awake, ready for battle, ready to follow our King. What do the Ten Commandments mean for me today? as I awake and as I go about my daily life, my vocation, as I go about my vocation as a spouse, as a parent, as a child, as an employee, as a citizen, what temptations in my vocations will I have to endure? And what that looks like to be faithful will involve suffering. I will have to endure pain for the sake of someone else, if I'm following the commandments, because they are about my relationship to other people. I will have to endure pain for the sake of of Christ, of God. I will have to endure pain for the sake of what is good or true or righteous, as 1 Peter says. These things will cause difficulty. 
But like the cross itself, they are not things to avoid, but to endure. This is one of the things that we have to learn as Christians, is to suffer evil. Our natural inclination is to run away from it, to flee it, to avoid suffering. But the answer to suffering evil is not to run away from it in every instance, uh, to flee from the battle line wherever we're stationed, but the answer is to hope, to hope, to believe that God works all things together for our good, that we do not give in to despair or believe this is futile. We work all night, we catch no fish, but we don't give up. Ours is the labor, but the success, whatever success, is God's. However big or small, this is true in every instance. His glory is great in your salvation. Psalm 21 says, honor and majesty you placed upon him. God is the one to cause our work to prosper to have the results he intends it to have. You know, some things about Lutheranism have fallen into myth. Uh, Not many things, but some things have. Uh, One myth about Martin Luther is that when he was asked if he knew the world was going to end tomorrow, uh, he was asked what he would do. And he supposedly said, I would plant an apple tree today. Uh, Well, that's most likely a myth. It's got some bite behind it. From our perspective, what we're doing might be futile. It might seem the world is going to end tomorrow. Why would we plant a tree? Uh, we might not catch any fish. It might seem hopeless. Sometimes we, we might literally have to be up all night with nothing to show for it. But if it's good, and if it's what God has asked us to do, we keep on doing it. So, Examine your vocation by the Ten Commandments. Uh, I'm a minister. Uh, So if I'm a minister, I'm supposed to preach the gospel. The temptation is that if it doesn't seem like things are improving, it doesn't seem like the church is growing, it doesn't seem like anybody's listening, well, I've got to try something new. I've got to spice it up a bit. Well, no. I need to keep on doing what God has asked me to do, to preach the gospel whether or not the boat fills up with fish. Or at home, if I think I've been faithful to my spouse, I've been patient and loving and I've supported them, but they're still mean and and, and negative to me, well, uh, I still need to keep on doing it. I I need to be a faithful spouse because that's what God has asked me to do. And, And whatever vocation you have, we need to keep on doing what is good, even though it may be hard. For men and fathers, to be a teacher of the faith at home is a great example of this, I think. It's easier to to not put so much effort or any effort into teaching the faith at home. right? It's hard to do memory work at home and to go through the chief teachings of Scripture. It's hard to talk about spiritual things, even with my wife. Uh, Lutherans, we try to make it easy with the catechism, but it's still hard. It's still hard to do. And we will fail. Whatever our vocation, because we are sinners, we cannot be a perfect spouse or parent or child or pastor or employee on this side of glory. And yet, amazingly, God still asks us to do these things. 
He knows who we are better than we do. He knows better than I do how not good I am at my vocations. Yet he still asks me to do them. He doesn't just forgive my sins. He does that. He does forgive my sins for my failures at being faithful in my vocations. He forgives my sins and he still commissions me. He sends me out again. When Peter saw the miraculous catch of fish, he says, go away from me because I'm a sinful man, Lord. Jesus knew that already, which is why he didn't go away. It's for that reason Jesus calls Peter to be a disciple. He calls sinners. Have no fear, Jesus says to Peter. From now on, you will be catching people. He doesn't say how many, fit, how many people. It doesn't say how many. But what's clear is that whoever is caught by the net of the gospel, of God's word, like those fish, will be purely a result not of the work of Peter, but by the work of God. And the same St. Peter whom God called and did not abandon said in his epistle, even if you should happen to suffer because of righteousness, you are blessed. Even if you should happen to suffer because of righteousness, you are blessed. God places us in each of, each of us in our vocations. And he commissions us. He sends us out. And we keep on keeping on because Christ has done all things first. He has become all things to all men. And the psalmist attributes God's presence to the victory or the success. Whatever cross God asks you to endure, whatever battle he has you fight, he will go first. He will cause you to hit your mark, and he will be with you drawing enemy fire. Psalm 21 verse 8 says, Your hand will find all your enemies. Your right hand will find those who hate you. Our enemy of sin, of all of our sins, has been overcome by our king shedding his blood. Our enemy of death has been trampled down by the king's own death. Our enemy of hell, which thought it had a corpse, instead met God. Sure, we may need to endure some skirmishes here, but we know the outcome of the battle. A crown of gold awaits. So be courageous. Take up your cross and follow your king. He goes first. He draws all the enemy fire. He dies, but he comes back victoriously to follow him into death and into life. In Jesus' name, amen. Be exalted, O Lord, in your own strength. We will sing and praise your power. Amen.